0: Welcome to the Peace Catalyst Podcast, where we share stories to inspire, uplift, and encourage you in your peacemaking journey. I'm Becca Teibel, and I'm working with Peace Catalyst here in the Washington, D.C. area. And as always, I'm joined by my wonderful co host, Allie Bernison.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Allie, and I am with PCI in Los Angeles, California. So, we always say it, but if you enjoy the Peace Catalyst podcast, please do us a favor and take some time to rate and review the the podcast on Apple Podcasts. It helps boost our visibility and encourages others to give us a listen.
0: Thanks, everyone.
1: So, this week, we had a wonderful conversation with PCI's very own Peter Anderson, who is based in Minneapolis, Minnesota, along with his wife, Liz. And together, they're equipping community peacemakers and collaborating with others for racial justice and healing, drawing on their experiences in community organizing and development, interfaith peace building, and contemplative spirituality. They're weaving together internal and external liberation alongside their neighbors, fellow activists, and people of faith. Peter leads trainings in conflict transformation, nonviolence, trauma awareness, and healing, as well as community-based peace building. So we're super, super excited to get into the conversation. But before we do. Yeah, can't
0: can't wait to have this conversation with Peter. I Yeah, I've experienced just a couple of his workshops, and they are pretty incredible as a way to, um, yeah, equip ourselves for some peacemaking skills. So i um, really excited. And yeah, before we jump in, I um, would love to share a quote with you all Um This one is by a favorite of ours, really, John Paul Lederach. Um, And it says, we are called as individuals and congregations to learn the disciplines and skills that help us define ourselves, engage each other in non-anxious interaction, and maintain emotional contact even when we disagree. I love that phrasing, non-anxious interaction. That is, yeah. Yeah. Sounds like it's a hard place to get to, but <laughs> right. something that we can all strive towards. yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: Well, let's get into the conversation. Welcome, Peter. It's so great um to have this conversation with you today and um, I know we've had you on the podcast before with your wife, Liz, talking about um, your peacebuilding work there in Minneapolis, um, but really excited to have yeah more conversations and dialogue around peacebuilding um, formation and training. So could you just give us a little just a quick background, since we've probably already heard it. And if you haven't, you should definitely listen to that episode with Peter and Liz. Um, But just a little bit of background on who you are and what you do with
2: Peace Catalyst. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me back, Becca and Allie. Um, Yeah, so my name is Peter, and I have two roles with Peace Catalyst. So um, I am the Director of Formation, um, which basically means within Peace Catalyst, I get to put a lot of my time and energy towards thinking about both house staff in the organization and then how kind of our partners and our wider network and the churches we're working with um, outside of the organization. Um, How do we form them as peace builders? And that involves with some of the spiritual formation, but also the very practical skills of like, how do they look at their relationships and their communities Um, and yeah, have some tools to be able to make peace in those settings. Um, And then I'm also a program director um in Minneapolis, uh, where a lot of my time is spent um kind of working in areas of racial justice and racial healing. So I um kind of do some community organizing about helping people get involved and work for change um and then also lead some racial healing circles where people come together and kind of process a lot of their own internal wounds and try to make sense of what's happening and what their place in in racial justice is. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we're so grateful for you and everything that you do for Peace catalysts, and also those who are um, connected to us and eager to learn um, those skills for for peace building. So,
1: yeah, and I'm so excited to have this conversation because um, for me, I'm I'm sure the people who know me, like my mom, for instance, knows your name really well because I'm constantly <laughs> saying, well, "Peter says this," <laughs> um, and yeah, it's when a, I joined, that's a scary burden. Yeah. Um, No pressure. Yeah. So when I joined on staff like a year ago, just through having conversations with you, um, I don't, well, to my knowledge, we weren't like working through a curriculum, but just within like an hour conversation every couple of weeks, you, I just learned so much um, about what it means to, to be involved in community peace building and where you even start. Um, So yeah, I, th- so then it leads me to this, this question, like, where did, where did you learn? Like, who did you learn from? Is there one, have there been ex- particular experiences or um, particular peace builders or or theories? Like, what, where exactly do you draw, um, yeah, where do you draw from? What has been influential um, or, or what has been, like, particularly formative?
2: Mm that i think is a very long list um mm-hmm. <laughs> that'll take up the rest of our time if we dive into that um et- ali you and i weren't necessarily working through a curriculum per se um but you were kind of my guinea pig for the curriculum that is being developed <laughs> so like what, what? <laughs> so so in a sense like there actually was an intention and a direction for what you were talking about and that feeds into what we're talking about today um sure, we're okay. like as as Peace Catalyst is thinking about, um, I'm I'm using this term community peace builder that I want people to kind of embrace this role. Um, And there is sort of a process of, um, yeah, working through that. Um, Let's see, in terms of influences, the, so since college, I've spent my career working in churches or alongside churches. Was a pastor for a few years. I was a missionary for several years um, before coming to Peace Catalyst. Um, and in particular, I've long been aligned with the Mennonite tradition. So Mennonites and a have a broad tradition of peace theology. Um, it's kind of central to how we understand our faith in the in the world. Um, but then alo- also alongside doing a lot of wanting to equip and mobilize churches to engage their communities and like actually make a difference where they are. I've always been in settings um that's had a strong emphasis on on place and the community around them Um, and what does it mean to be a community-based church um and i think at the heart of that for me has always been wanting to mobilize lay people the christians in the pews the regular congregation to um get a lot of the peace work and a lot of the pastoral work even before I was talking about peace um a lot of the missional work something that was done by the whole congregation and not just the paid clergy or experts at the top um and even as I was in a lot of those settings and often trying to help congregations get into a space that they could engage better um I kept coming across um organizations and communities that spend a lot of time talking about the ideas They'd have the right theology they'd have community theology they'd have peace theology they'd have um embodied theology and, and such um and it was it, it was always about how do we understand ourselves or what am I supposed to believe that gets me from here to here um but it was a lot harder to find groups or churches that were focusing on the nitty-gritty of, so how do you do it well? Um, There were a lot of, I've seen a lot of the Christian world focus very much on the heart that they put into it, focus on their intentions, what they aim for, what they want for, what they hope for. Um, But the discipleship does not include nearly as much, so how do we do it? How do we navigate relationships? How do we how do we navigate our own emotional well-being so that we're understanding how we're engaging with the world around us? Um, even discipleship that moves to you, how do you do community organizing? How do you do um, kind of work for social change and like collaborate with partners? Um, and even in my own settings, like this was kind of a key turning point that really moved me into going actually studying peace building and wanting to focus more on skills was being in a place where I'd been doing this work for a long time. And had been teaching explicitly about peace. And then when a major conflict hit my team over the course of like a year, year and a half, we ourselves, I myself didn't actually have the skills to know how to navigate that well. And even spending all of our time talking about it is still imploded in, in our context. Um, and we ended up coming back to the U.S. because of it. Um, and it that really stood out for me that there needed to be something a lot more substantial underneath mm-hmm. that. Um, so in, in terms of influences, again, long list. Um, coming from the Mennonite tradition, um, there was a lot that I got from from my seminary, the Anabaptist Mennonite Biblical Seminary um, in Elkhart, Indiana. There's also a lot of peace building resources, particularly around trauma, but also a lot of conflict transformation um, and other stuff coming out of Eastern Mennonite University, um, their uh, center for justice and peace, peace building. Um, one of the significant influences, both for my professor um, and then just kind of the whole tradition is John Paul Lederach. And we talk about him frequently in um, Peace Catalyst. Um, but yeah, several others. It, they're, there's also been a lot as I've gotten more connected with activists here on the ground and particularly various streams of the black liberation movement here in the US and in Minneapolis. Um, communities that are really trying to think about, so what does like healing justice look like? What does holistic peace look like? In particular, what does it look like to have peace where you can't rely on the authorities? You can't always want to call the police because that's not as healthy for the community. Um, so really having to think about how do you, what do group dynamics look like? What does personal change look like? Um, what does community care look like? And being able to look out for each other and support each other and have a much more robust idea of um, how a neighborhood cares for itself and how everybody in the neighborhood is supposed to be involved in that because it can't be a outside top-down sort of fix. So lots of influences.
1: Hmm. I'm curious, as you're, as you were sharing about being connected to churches and in terms of theory and belief systems and and theology, it's, you know, there, there's a healthy understanding of what it means to be firmly rooted in one's community. But then in terms of practice, there's, um, yeah, we can't the churches you were connected to kind of missed the mark. And I think that's a fair critique of the church at large. I'm wondering as you were seeing that reality play out, however, however you saw that playing out, was that something, was that painful? Was that difficult to see and come to terms with or, um, yeah, was it, was it like, yeah, I'm curious about that or,
2: Mm. um, I don't know that I experienced it as painful until, until my own lack of skill and my own team's lack of skill became apparent. Um, because before then, I think I was still very much in that sort of, you know, like you need some skills. People talk about it. You learn from and network with other organizations doing it. So it's not like anyone's out there doing this without any sense of what they're doing. Like people understand that they feel kind of helpless if they don't know at least what a couple of first steps are. Um, But often having those few basic concepts or those first few steps can build enough confidence that then organizations or churches can think, okay, we have enough to get going. We don't really need to invest a lot more time. We don't need to invest a lot more resources in going deeper. Or if we do. The pastor needs to know it, or the paid organizer needs to know it, or the expert who's coming in from the outside. But that doesn't need to mean that, that peace building skills are part of our broader formation for the church. Um, so yeah, so I mean, for most of my career, I was in that camp where like, we need to know enough. And I was, I was winging it along with everybody else. Hmm. Um And it it, it really took a lot of that personal conflict and personal crisis to recognize like, Oh, I am really missing something here. And that kind of pushed me to start asking, so who is doing this well? Not who's talking about it well, but who's doing it well. Um, And wanted to go learn from them.
1: Sure. Hmm.
0: That's such a good point because I I feel like, um, yeah, like peace building is like, it's a, I don't know, would you say, Peter, that becoming a peace builder is adopting, like, a way of being and a way of life that, like, requires skills? Of course, you need to build skills to live that out, but in terms of, like, yeah, like, does that make sense? Like, it's not just, like, something you pick up and do, but it's, like, a way of yeah
2: becoming or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yes, and the may, maybe a so a parallel for this. It's not even a parallel. It's part of the conversation um, that I've had frequently in past months is looking at say, like the nonviolence movement as a whole. Um, nonviolence is a stream that has a lot of different branches, a lot of different streams of thinking in it. Some of those streams focus very much on that personal transformation, that nonviolent orientation, that embodied nonviolence, this is who I am and how I interact with the world. And then there are other streams of nonviolence that focus very much on the strategy, the specifics. Like you don't have to be a pacifist, you don't have to be personally ideologically committed to nonviolence, but you just need to understand that maybe this is the strategy or these are the techniques that work best to cause social change Mm -hmm. in this context. Um, And those two need to come together. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: If you're in a context where you're focused on nonviolence simply as a means of social change, this is how we engage in politics, this is how we try to overthrow this dictator using nonviolent means as we've seen happen around the world. There's plenty of evidence that this works. Um, Mm -hmm. But if there isn't that heart underneath it, then it just gets replaced by more power struggles. Um, Mm. and There's no guarantee that it's going to actually create a healthier healthier society long term. Um, And on the flip side, there are plenty of people who are ideologically committed to nonviolence this is their spirituality, this is how they understand their faith. Or even if they're not people of faith, this is just how they understand their, who they want to be in the world. But if that is not paired with tangible skills and like what change are you actually trying to commit? Or if you're not pairing that with who am I actually connected to and in solidarity with? It's easy to have a posture of nonviolence, but then not actually be alongside people who are suffering in communities who are working for change. And it becomes more of a a posture where you're um, almost pontificating a little bit rather than kind of of saying, this is how it's supposed to be. This is my observations on it. Um, But the engagement actually can be a little bit more limited. So there's like two extremes. Hmm. And healthy nonviolence, just like healthy peace building as a whole, Mm -hmm. needs to be a mix of those two together. There's the personal transformation, but the personal transformation also needs to do something to impact the world around you
0: yeah it's so good yeah i i i feel like that's such a good um yeah that makes a lot of sense because i you know i also think sometimes this i think in both realms like the the doing and the being like peace building can seem kind of like esoteric or like you know people who maybe think like that doesn't how I I don't really fit with that. Like, I can't really, I don't think that way or like I can't be a peace builder because I'm, you know, I prefer to address issues using some level of force or I think that that's, you know, like things like that, like, or even just this within the doing realm of like having the knowledge or having the skills of peace building is almost like, you know, we're going to let these people do that. Like, but that's not for me if that makes sense, how do we sort of like, yeah, bridge the the gap and um, maybe, yeah, invite people in who are, are feeling that sort of um, mm. exclusivity, right. <laughs> even though that's not the intention of, yeah, if that makes sense.
2: I think a lot of it is about the narrative that we're telling. And th- this is why this is why i appreciate that peace catalyst is so involved in talking about theology and talking about how do we read scripture how do we understand our faith the narrative of why are we here and what are we moving towards and the narrative of what is god doing in the world um this gets to the space where there needs to be a connection between what is the vision that we're moving towards heaven kingdom of god shalom peace catalyst uses shalom language quite a bit um And how does that connect with, so what are we doing now? And in particular, and this is something that I think often gets missed a bit in the discipleship, is the idea of trajectory or movement. A lot of times, theology is talked about, so here's the vision that we're kind of waiting for, God's going to come and do it. We just gotta wait until this happens or this is what we're dreaming of. This is what our faith is. What we're hoping for, Um, and then there are these like tangible virtuous things of. So this is what we do now. You know, we 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 feed the poor and we we help people when they need it, and we're kind to each other and we love each other. Um, But it's so often just about this is how you're supposed to behave, and how Mm. you're supposed to care for each other, and it never gets into the why it never gets into you. So what are we actually trying to change in ourselves to do this? What are we trying to change in our relationships, in our church community so that we look a lot more like the kingdom of God that we're dreaming of so that we look a lot more like the sh- shalom that God is calling us towards, that God is creating the world. Um, and then that scales up to the community level. Like it's great to go and help people who don't have housing, who need food, um, Who need financial assistance but it's just helping people who are in dire need is where it ends and there's not this trajectory of okay so how do we engage in other parts of society to um, how do do we move upstream and stop people from being thrown into the river I can't remember whose quote that is is that Desmond Tutu yes Mm. I can't remember I like that I should look that up but I don't know I yeah. know, how, yeah. how do how, how do we, how do we how do we stop just pulling people out of the river when we see they're in right. trouble and move and move upstream yeah. to figure out why they're being thrown in the first place and putting an into that yeah. Yeah. and that step of moving up river and looking to the bigger picture and the skills of how do you root out the violence and root out the trauma and heal the trauma and root out the underlying causes of our personal violence of our the violence we experience in our churches or the conflict we experiences, and tons of social violence we experience. Uh-huh. Um, that's yeah. the trajectory of discipleship of moving towards shalom that this points to. And we can't do that well without adding the skills in also. Right.
1: In my experience, that what you were just describing of moving further upstream and examining institutions, systems, like when you start to break apart, when you start to do that work, that's when it gets scary, at least. And I'm speaking from my own experience. That's when it gets scary to some um, people of faith, to some Christians, to the church. But again, not, yeah, this is just in the way I've seen um, or, or what I've, how I've seen the church interact with, Mission or with community engagement, however you want to put it, um, but it's so much easier to do the individual one-to-one feeding ministries or like, why is that? Why, why when we're talking about taking on a system, does it get like okay, whoa, like this is too progressive? It's it's like labeled something else, and it's it like doesn't belong in the church. It belongs in the political realm, and it's not um mm. is it because our culture does it doesn't have something to do with how like the interplay of um yeah how 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 community work um our community engagement interacts with our individualistic culture and just how we see perp- i don't know yeah
2: mm. i think there's a lot of different layers to that um sure. And, and part part of it, I think, is this this big t- political dimension that you mentioned, particularly here in the U.S., um, where if you're doing anything that seems like it's going to get lumped in with social justice, then it gets labeled with things like critical race theory or mm-hmm. Marxism or wokeism and segments of the church. is like, well, no, those are trigger words, so we're just going to not deal with it that's not what the church is here for um and they those congregations have political particular political narratives and particular theological narratives that just have a very limited view of what they're supposed to be doing and what they're engaging in um i think a lot of it though is about it's still about the discipleship and the narratives that the churches tell in that, um, and where they put their energy a little bit. So like one of one of the key dimensions of this, and this gets back a bit to what Becca was asking about kind of accessibility and something that like makes it easy for people to enter into. I want to teach, I want Peace catalysts. I want everyone to teach and learn a whole wide range of peace building skills. But people have limited time, limited attention, limited capacity. If someone has the time or energy to really full-time devote themselves or half-time devote themselves to being a peace builder and wants to go hard into this as like a professional thing, please come talk to us because we want to talk to you in Peace Catalyst. (laughs) Um, But that's not all that we want to work with. So there is also this question of collective capacity where it's not just one person learns all the skills and then there's icon of peace building in their community but it's say, how do you do this as a small group? How do you do this as a church, where it it needs to become both where churches are putting the resources and in the stories the churches are telling. People don't have the imagination for this because they're not in communities that are telling stories about it. They are not. They're not developing um, the moral imagination. To use a phrase from John Paul Lederach of the change that could happen and what could be in the world that they're creating. Um, And so often like resources are put towards just that like immediate aid. We're gonna go help with this food kitchen. We're going to donate to this cause, this urgent thing that happened. Um, And if churches are able to start telling more stories about so here's what could be happening, here's how we align with, with groups who are trying to create deeper, longer lasting change. And then they start to think, how do we resource the congregation? Mm-hmm. So maybe we have a team over here who actually knows a lot about social change and activism. And they actually have some key partnerships in the, in the community who are helping to move that along. And they, they have the expertise. That doesn't mean the whole congregation needs the expertise in it. And then mm-hmm. you might have this group over here who's like, oh, they are all about showing up for people who are who are. Home on the streets or who need food right now and they are—they have some training to both do that relief aid well and also deal with some of the trauma and the counseling that goes along with it so they can be a present at the moment. Um, the churches take a collective capacity approach, then you can still have a whole congregation that views this sort of practical skill, this practical trajectory of change as part of their embodied discipleship, as part of their practical work of who they are in their world, in their community, um, without having to make it each person's responsibility to know everything, because Mm. that becomes really overwhelming.
1: Right, right. Yeah, you're kind of painting a vision of beloved community right there, in a way.
2: Yep. There's a lot to that. There, yeah, as I said, so like a lot of where I'm coming from here one of my big streams has been connecting with marginalized communities and learning from marginalized communities who have had to figure out how to care for themselves and care for each other without a whole lot of outside support. Um, So both in in Christian settings and in non-Christian settings, there's a lot of examples of people who have had to figure out how to do this well. So there's plenty to learn from. Mm
0: Yeah, and I, I love what you're saying about having that learning yeah, like having peace building be part of the structure of a community, like not just having individuals, but having it being part of the main message that people are getting because it's yeah, like if they're not hearing it from um, the pulpit, then I think it like you said, it's hard to imagine um, or to even just have that be part of your consciousness mm-hmm. as your yep. yeah.
2: Yeah, and, and I'm very excited that Peace Catalyst has been working a lot on that over the past couple of years. Like, that is a big part of what the Christian Peacebuilding Network that we've helped develop wants to point people towards. People who go right. through the CPN learning cohorts where they embrace both the theology, but then also the practicalities of conflict transformation and kind of how those fit together. Like, that, those are designed to help Christians and faith communities right. understand how these fit together. So, I think there's been a lot of work in that that area already.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Peter, you're talking about like skills that are needed for um, for growing and peacebuilding. What are some of those skills? Would you say? Mm. And how do you learn them?
2: So one of the things that we're there's like several pieces that can go with this. Um, PCI's community peace building process itself, like just a very simple template for how we want people to engage with their communities. We go through the understand, the connect, the collaborate model. Um, And there are particular skills for when you understand, when you're on the understanding, how do you map your network? How do you walk around your network and just develop a sensitivity to what's going on there? How do you research? How do you ask questions? How do you meet people? How do you pay attention to what's going on inside of you, mm-hmm. so you can figure out what your triggers are, what your sensitivities are, what skills or roles you might bring to the table, so that when you're entering a community or when you're starting this work, you're like, I, I kind of have a sense of myself. I know who I am. There are skills and tools that can go in to that understanding, and then when you move to connecting. There are specific skills, like from community-organized about how do you actually do a one-on-one? How do you sit down with a person and build your network and get a sense of who they are and what they care about and um, whether they might be a potential partner in the future? There are skills for how do you show up in a new place and kind of identify, oh, here are some key people I see who are organizing this event that I might want to talk to or just kind of get a sense of, this is the undertone that I want to pay attention to in this community. Or here are the narratives and the stories that people are telling, and that'll influence what's going on. Um, There are skills and tools for how do you bring people together? How do you help people to build relationships? How do you help people to hear each other? How do you have healthy dialogue? How do you organize a peace feast? How do you even develop the intercultural skills cross cultural skills to talk to someone who does not look like you, comes from a different faith or background than you, um, and both build trust and build a relationship, and then get to the point that they want to collaborate with you and start doing things. Um, And then when we move to the collaborate, I really want to paint a broad picture of what community peace building could look like, because it involves, doing community aid where you're responding to immediate needs. Oh, there's violence. Let's show up. Oh, there's unhoused people. Let's show up and figure out how we support them. It's like immediate dire need where people need some help or relief. There is community building. We're like, okay, there's a lot of siloed communities in our neighborhood. There's a lot of communities that don't talk to each other, or maybe there's some conflict in the midst of them. How do we do community building where we bring people together and just build these relationships Mm -hmm. because without networks of relationships, Nothing else can grow out of that. Communities need ties within it that support it. Um, and there's a whole lot that goes into community development where you're looking at your neighborhood. And this this is all collaborative work, different dimensions of collaborative work. And it's the lens of like, what do you look at in your in your neighborhood to say with your partners, what do we need right now? Where do we need to put our energy and our resources? Where do I want to show up? So community v- development is... Goes from hosting the community garden to um, teaching English as a second language, all the way to let's have a organize an apartment building, and we'll buy it specifically for low-income residents or affordable housing. Um, so from like very small-scale stuff to like entire neighborhood transforming dimensions, um, and then there's this piece of community activism. So if there's something harmful in the community or if there's an outside force such as a corporation or such as um, a political leader who's either directly harming the community or just being negligent and not giving your neighborhood the care that it needs, how do you organize your neighbors to work together and build power to actually create the change that someone on the outside needs to be doing something different to make happen? So, Yeah. And that, I mean, that can range anywhere from bigger topics like voting rights and accessibility and who's allowed to go to these places to dealing with more resources to confront um, food deserts. Even as small as this intersection really needs a stop sign because people are getting hurt here and it's dangerous and we need the city to come and do something about it and pressuring them for that. Even that is a form of community activism.
0: Yeah. I think um, in the context of thinking of Yeah, all kind of the holistic um, approach to peace building and looking at all these different things, like you're saying, affecting the community and understanding your own role in that place. Like, what is my role as a, you know, a white woman in a place where I'm trying to collaborate with those seeking Mm -hmm. um, racial healing and justice? Like, Mm -hmm. and how, yeah, I think that's, and that could be a harder question, actually, Mm -hmm. (laughs) is,
2: It's a, it's a hard question, but it's an essential one, and it's one that if we don't start with that, then it all becomes so overwhelming that it's really scary to get into it because we don't know where to start. We don't know who to talk to. If we don't start with the question of, so who is my community? Like, I can look at all of Minneapolis or I can look at all of the problems in the U.S., but if I don't start with what community am I part of, who am I in relationship with, because this work starts best through the relationships we already have. If I'm, if I'm approaching this as I'm on the outside, I'm not part of this, I'm just an outsider looking in, and then I want to come in and fix it. That's both harmful to the work and actually makes it hard for myself because I have this big, supposedly but not really objective view. Um, mm-hmm. And I have this like outside savior mentality. But if I can say, hey, I am part of this community. I am in relationship with these people. I'm affected by this, too. I'm working for my own healing. I'm working for my own liberation. I'm working for my own peace, along with the mm-hmm. peace of my neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really have to sit with who I am here and what do I bring to this. Then it helps add a lot more clarity of just where to start. So, And th- and, and I mean, that's mm-hmm. always the first question you want to get to is where do you start? What are the first couple of steps? Yeah. Yeah.
1: it's so good. I, I, I don't really know how to ask this question, but I, I think the question, hopefully we'll find it along the way is, um, so earlier in the conversation, we were talking about the end or the end vision, what we're aiming towards, which can be expressed Mm -hmm. differently. Mm -hmm. Shalom kingdom. I mean, yeah. Um,
2: or tell us, Is yeah.
1: It? Sure. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> to use theological language. Yeah. Wink,
1: wink. <laughs> yeah. Is it so? I know that we can do this work in partnership with others. And that's the goal. Hopefully, you know, you're doing it in partnership with a, a diverse community, a community, you know, with diverse skill sets and, um, coming from different backgrounds and, um, that this is inclusive work incorporating an entire community. But, um, with, I guess the question is there needs to be a common end in sight, correct? Like, you, you know, we can't be doing community development, community Eight, you know any of this work unless we're agreeing on where we're trying to get um is that and i mean i don't know how how broad or specific that view needs to be whether it's just broadly we're we're aiming towards shalom or we're trying to get this thing passed through city council or you know
2: i think so yes um and i think the answer to that is yes and no Like, there needs to be some sort of coalescing a vision where people are working towards the same sort of goal. But often, that is more about values than it always is about the specifics.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: You can align with people who are like, I want a healthy, flourishing community. You can work with people who are like, I want everybody to have a voice and to be supported here and to be included here. Um, You can work with people who are like, I want marginalized and oppressed groups to experience liberation and come out from underneath these social forces that are holding them down. You can work with um, groups who want to see democracy flourish and want to um, see power shared and everybody have a voice in what their community and what their nation looks like. At the same time, different groups have might have different visions of how do you get there or what does that look like or how do we respond to the forces that are opposing us right now um and so particularly from a community organizing perspective like a lot of organizing is about holding on to your vision of what you're working towards and then finding the people who are ready to go with you on that next step you might have someone who's a partner for the next couple of projects and then you find that you diverge ways at the same time, you might find someone who maybe you share a similar sort of ideal or vision with them, but you're working on very different projects, and maybe it's five years down the line. Like, oh, now I see that we're actually coming together and can support each other a little bit. Hmm. Um, so it's really hard to work with someone who has a very different value, a very different set of values or expectations of what a healthy community looks like or how, what power should look like and who should hold it. Um, there's some clear divergences that make it hard to work for the shalom that the Bible tells us about. Um, But in terms of actual partnering, that's the thing that kind of comes and goes all the time.
1: How is what you're talking about there different or yeah, similar to, I know that in our conversations in the past, we've talked about this, how um, in my early days with, Peace catalyst. When I had a vision of um, organizing some sort of program, or um, yeah, it really didn't have legs yet. But um, something with Muslim and Christian youth. I yeah, that's kind of my vision. And then once I started following the steps that you gave me, it's like okay, that's actually maybe not um, what the the highest need is in the community or just what people are invested in already anyway um, but as I was having conversations in my early days I got a lot of feedback from people in my church or just that I was connected with um through other places within the community people saying oh well that's I mean I get it but that's just not my thing Um, it's like not really the thing I I care about my thing is this and I mean, there are so many ways we can be peace builders in our communities. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I don't know. So I I definitely hear what you're saying and, you know, not everybody's going to be a partner all the time um, mm-hmm. because people are invested in different, yeah, different issues in the community. But that, the way that you're framing it strikes me different from the framing of, like, that's not my, you know, I do this thing and like, you know, you can care for refugees I do this which feels that always just feels weird to me you know especially Mm, coming from mm -hmm. a a faith perspective Mm
2: -hmm. yep when Yeah. yeah this is one of the reasons why I think doing this in the context of a faith community or just community in general like in Peace Catalyst we're talking about churches and faith communities specifically but this same dynamic plays out whether you're a religious community or a secular one um is there is so much life and so much support that comes from doing this in the context of a community that is telling stories about this and encouraging this movement and is holding on to this vision of what are we moving towards? That's still where the theology and the narrative comes in. There still needs to be this picture of, this is how we are trying to partner with God in the world. Mm -hmm. This is how we are participating with God to bring up about God's shalom while recognizing different people in the church will have different passions, vocations, and skills that will take them different places and bring them to different networks. And as long as the church is a space that encourages them to come back and share what they're doing and share what they're learning and share the benefits of their relationships and to continue to invite each other into that work, Hmm. then churches can be a place where this can flourish and still hold on to the diversity at the same time. Now, churches will usually decide to put money and energy as an organization, as a church, into specific areas. We'll say, well, we'll here, here's a budget to work on advocacy for the unhoused. Here's a budget that's gonna go into reparations or giving land back um, and working on justice that way. So churches are still going to have some priorities that, like, as a congregation, they decide, oh, this is where we want to put our institutional money. Um, But as long as the church and the congregation are still holding on to this vision of all of this weaves together, all of this is part of the process of challenging and confronting sin in the world. Mm. Because so many of our problems come from the same sort of, inequity in the world and the same sort of oppressive power in the world and the same sort of of stories and narratives that we use to demonize each other so many of the problems that we are confronting and challenging as peace builders stem back to some of the same influences and some of the same wounds some of the same trauma that individuals and cultures experience um so yeah a lot of it is the role of the church in the body to understand how all of that intersects and to be able to celebrate all of the work. Even if a particular person doesn't feel called or doesn't have the capacity, mm-hmm. capacity is a huge thing here. It doesn't have the capacity to show up for what everyone else is doing.
1: Right. Right.
0: I, I love how you're saying that Peter. Cause it's like, yeah, like holistically celebrating all these different mm-hmm. ways that people are contributing to Shalom or, um, living into their, their passions and their skills and, um, where they feel called. And I think, yeah, I feel like from like my, my perspective, it's like, can we share the understanding part of like, I may not be working directly on this issue, but I understand how it's connected to Mm -hmm. these other realms of conflict and, um, inequity and, and the needs for healing. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. And I mean, that's definitely, I have observed that a lot of the things that we're struggling with in community are very interrelated. You can't look at economic inequality without looking at how it's affecting education and public schools and homelessness and unaffordable housing and like all of these things you can't just you can't isolate one without kind of touching another so and then of Mm -hmm. course there's a huge racial justice component to most of that Mm -hmm. um and so yeah yeah so I think um being able to see that as people of faith and then also being able to to honor and respect and uplift where others are working um yeah I really like the way that you did that so
0: Mm. yeah and Peter like as you're like growing others through kind of this formation work and skills training like have you found um yeah can you share maybe a story of like the impact of of those um Workshops or trainings that you've kind of helped guide people through?
2: Mm. The, give some pieces to that. I think one of them, it, Ali already mentioned earlier, like one of her key impacts. So, like the community, the community peace building kind of process or formation process that I was guiding her through. Um, she was saying that really helped her. Like, both totally understand differently what her place in the community was going to be and what she wanted to focus on. Um, And I think it had a, (laughs) yeah. And, and and my perception is it also helped her get to the connections and relationships in her place in the community now Um, and Mm -hmm. help her kind of identify some of that. Um, So even that tangible of it, I'm going to take as evidence of this being useful.
0: Yeah,
2: Um, But so one of the courses that we're running right now, so there's a whole host of kind of courses and trainings that we're developing over these next several months. At the moment, um, we're just wrapping up a um, nonviolent communication course, um, which it's based off of the um, a curriculum called NVC for all from an expert NVC trainer, Roxy, um, Roxy Manning, and I'm doing it in partnership with a local partner here in the Twin Cities, um, Pan Winthrop Lauer, who also is a certified NVC trainer. Um, and nonviolent communication is—it's both like a process, but also a worldview for how do you understand and work with communication language in a way that connects you to other people. So how do you move beyond judgments? How do you move beyond blame? And how do you embrace your emotions and understand the emotions of others and work with those in a way that connects and builds bridges? Um, and one of the key points of NVC is really learning to identify what are the kind of the core emotional needs that are underneath our feelings and our judgments Mm -hmm. and to say like, what what need inside of me? I need to feel safe. I need to feel like I have, I I need some agency or power in my my world. Um, Mm -hmm. I need connection to other people or I need a sense of identity and purpose. So all of these underlying needs and then everything we do is an attempt. To meet those needs even if it's not always intentional or explicit everything we do is an attempt to meet some sort of internal need
1: mm-hmm. so
2: so over the course of the NVC class um, as we've gone through the different components and the different ways of how do we understand what's happening inside of us how do we understand what's underneath what people are saying um, we're just having mm-hmm. a lot of really good stories where people are just People in the class are noticing new dimensions to their relationships. They're problem solving differently. They're like, oh, I was in conflict with a coworker. um, And I was able to slow down and check in with myself and notice what I was feeling. Um, Mm -hmm. Or I was dealing with this conflict where um, instead of judging or yelling back at them, I was able to hear what need they had underneath what they were saying. And we were able to find something that worked for both of us. or even just like more patience with kids. I mean, this has been a huge thing for me as a parent practicing nonviolent communication. <laughs> I understand my kid. I, I understand why my kids flip out so often. It's because they have these needs underneath that I am not helping them meet at the
0: moment. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so yeah, NVC, NVC is very useful for both kind of your your internal self awareness and having compassion for yourself, but also has a lot for your relationships with others and also just understanding how to interact with social systems and how those impact people and how those do or don't meet people's needs um, mm-hmm. so that's the current yeah. one going on um and then other other courses in the future i mean there'll be the next one coming up um hopefully in june we're working out, for the, out the details for it will be a six-week course um about interpersonal conflict skills so it'll include a little bit of the basics of NVC. Um, we'll spend time talking about kind of four lenses that I think are crucial to understand conflict and violence. So kind of the mm. the, the lens of narrative, the lens of needs, the lens of trauma and wounds, um, and also the, the lens of power. How do you understand the power dynamics of what's happening in space? Um, and then get into the practical things. like so how do you have compassion for yourself and empathy for others? When someone's really worked up, how can you de-escalate them
0: mm.
2: or connect with them so that they feel heard and they're able to come down and talk a little, talk about things a little bit? And like that is something that's very useful in your family and your work relationships. That's also something we practice and work on, like when we're providing security or when we're providing safety for street protests. Mm, so these mm-hmm. skills apply in a lot of different areas. Um, yeah, there'll be some other bits in there too. Probably do a primer on some circle process and like how to just like have healthy conversations as a group where everybody can hear each other. Some other stuff like that. Um,
0: yeah.
2: And then la- later on, we'll also have courses about kind of nonviolence generally, which is both the which will have both the practical side of it and um, kind of the internal visionary side of it. Um, we'll do courses on kind of how do you understand social change and social movements and how do you get engaged in those. Um, And then a few others. And there's also just a lot of expertise in Peace catalysts. otherwise. So I'm kind of excited in the future to see more staff offer courses as well, so.
0: Yeah, that's so great. Yeah, I think um, a lot of those skills that you're talking about, I think we don't often know where to go to be equipped in that way Mm -hmm. for building peace um, Mm -hmm. and handling conflict in our own lives. Um, Because I think. Yeah, peace building I think is often more like how do I help other people build peace with each other mm-hmm. instead of like how do I manage my mm-hmm. own,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, conflict within myself, yeah. conflict with
2: mm-hmm. people in my life. As peace builders, yeah. we know it's all interconnected. I have to be doing right. I have to be doing the work with myself and in my direct relationships and in society as a whole because they all influence each other. Right. Whether yeah. whether or not I'm doing peace building and healing in myself impacts how I interact with others and how I show up in my community. The forces that are happening in the society beyond my, beyond what I can see, the social structures, the power dynamics, influence what's happening with me and my friends and inside of me. Um, and that's, I yeah.
0: personally, I mean, that's something that I would love to learn more about like from your class. Cause I don't think a lot of, um, yeah, like, peace building people talk about those connections mm. or like it's hard to discover a framework for that so yeah i'd be excited mm. to learn
2: more about that mm. yeah two yeah. two things i'm excited about focusing on in kind of this whole project of developing more courses so like this is this is an initiative peace catalyst is doing it's trying to ramp up our ability to train and equip um, peace yeah. in the church right. um, and which we're currently having a fundraiser on which we're trying to raise several thousand dollars, $12,000 over the next six months or so to be able to um, kind of support our ability to do that well and show up for churches and help with that. Um, But the two pieces I'm really excited to be working on, one of them is this dimension of the intersection of both understanding the intersection of the personal work, the relational work and the social work. And then you can also Mm -hmm. get into the spiritual work and kind of that ecological work and like the whole system. Um, Mm -hmm. But then there's also this dimension of understanding kind of change and peace building and transformation as an ecosystem where it's not just, well, I I feed poor people. That's my thing. and I don't have to pay Mm -hmm. pay for the rest. But having this dimension where you understand how the activism and the development and the aid and the relationship building and everything else all fit together. Mm-hmm. to move toward this bigger change and i'm also just excited mm-hmm. to find ways to translate these skills that are so often used in professional settings with professional mm-hmm. peace builders um and just make make them really accessible
1: yeah
2: like my heart is always about how are we equipping lay folk how are we equipping congregations i absolutely want pastors and professionals to come to the things that we teach to. Um, Mm-hmm. But my heart, and I th- think a lot of Peace Catalyst's heart, is how do we translate yeah. these skills so everybody is better equipped as a peace builder, as a peacemaker in their community, without Definitely. needing without needing a master's in peace studies to do it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Amen to that. And I'm so excited for (laughs) everything that you're developing. And yeah, if you're listening, if you would like to contribute to that project, we will have the link in the episode description. So keep an eye out for that because um, maybe that's something that you could benefit from um, yourselves too if you're listening to this. So, um, and I remember, Peter, last year you co facilitated a workshop um, called, it was about the from blame to mourning process. Mm, mm-hmm. um, and I just remember mm-hmm. that was so, yeah, that impacted me so much on a personal level. And it also, um, yeah, I was able to invite a few friends from my church community and they were also deeply impacted by that. Um, so those those kinds of practical like skills and processes, I think, um, yeah, we all need them. So mm. it's really great okay. to hear how
2: you, that yeah. Was, I, I particularly want to give credit. So that particular process from blame to mourning is a nonviolent communication kind of self-reflection and healing process. Um, that one's that in particular one was um, created or at least adapted by my partner, um, my m d c partner, Pan Winthrop Lauer. So I can't take credit for okay. it. I can take credit for creating <laughs> the space, but that was her process. Sure. So, yeah, no, so. that's great which is which is yeah. why I love cuz we're also in relationship with a whole lot of awesome people with great skills. So it's not only what can we teach, but it's also who else can we bring in to share skills cuz we don't need to we don't need to hoard them or protect them cuz these are for everybody.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's great. Uh, well, is there anything else Peter that you would like to share or give us to think about as we mm. close out
2: our time? I don't think so. Help us make this happen and pay attention because there will be a lot of upcoming events and opportunities to join in. Yeah, that's
0: great. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Peter. Thank you. Wow, that was um really great. I love hearing from Peter's um, yeah, just his like background and experience that he has with um. I think, in particular, like community peace building and um, he really has that holistic perspective on what it looks like to engage as a peacebuilder in your community. and I just really, yeah, respect and appreciate everything that he shared.
1: Yeah, me too it's it's fascinating to hear more um, just when you when you're able to have longer conversations about how people get to where they are in their thinking and practice. And so, um, I really appreciated in our conversation as we were talking about his, his own journey in the church and, and working with the church and for a church and, um, yeah, being overseas for a portion of time and kind of all of those experiences, um, ultimately leading him to, to where he is now. And just this healthy level of critique, you know, seeing uh, what was lacking in his own team and in his own church community. Um, And I think that there is something just very um, admirable and healthy about that. Um, Just being able to reflect on experiences and where things are not, maybe where they should, be where they could be, where they should be, um, but not running away necessarily from the church, but then kind of going deeper, um, a deeper level of theology and practice of faith. Um, whereas I think many times when we notice like, okay, this is what, this is maybe who we're, who we're called to be or who we say we are, and we're not being these people, then it's so easy to like disengage and say, well, then I don't want to be like attached to to, to that, for sure. Um, but yeah. it's it's much bolder and courageous to kind of go deeper, um, which is what I've, mm-hmm. I see him doing, I think. And I don't know if you would agree with that, but yeah.
0: Yeah, that's so well put. I think the temptation to just kind of leave it all behind is really strong because, yeah, if you're used to kind of, uh, yeah, being associated <laughs> with that and then you think, like, well the only answer is to disassociate myself and um and to disengage but yeah i i agree with how you said that um that journey of going deeper and growing in our theological um understandings of shalom and peace building and um yeah not giving up on the journey i think it's the temptation is probably very very real. um, But what does it look like to actually engage our theology in a healthy way um, that helps us to grow? I think that's really good. And I think that this sort of growing in our kind of becoming of of peace building, but also in the skills like we're talking about is um, I loved how Peter phrased it of they go hand in hand and kind of this integrated approach that um, really helps us to grow into, yeah, who God is calling us to be um, in our communities. So, yeah, I'm excited for the classes that are being developed by Peter and others that he's collaborating with and that we'll be able to kind of expand our own um, equipping abilities as an organization because of of this project that Peter is working on. So right. I'm, yeah, really excited to see Uh, see that grow and become um, what it's going to be so
1: yeah me too I mean yeah I I really appreciate um, in all of my conversations with Peter and I shared a bit of bit about this on the podcast but he really has been instrumental in me getting involved in my community. And, um, you know, I shared a bit of my journey kind where I started with, um, wanting to be in the, be somewhere in the realm of Muslim Christian peace building and, you know, maybe designing programming or being, yeah, coming up with some sort of program for, for youth specifically, and then ending up more in the realm of housing justice and, um, Looking at the socioeconomic divide in my community, um, all of that was through just having conversations with Peter. and um yeah, like like he said, I guess I was the guinea pig didn't know. um, but <laughs> I, yeah, i I just appreciate the way that he it's not just understanding. there's there it's not just attending a workshop to like gain more knowledge or just amass yeah, amass more understanding, but it actually takes you somewhere. It's like, it's like taking you on a journey to get um, involved in the community. It's not an, an isolated process or not an isolated, um, I, I don't know, light a lifestyle. It's not an isolated way of being like peace building is um, intrinsically collaborative and it requires an entire community and um it's it is not just about knowledge. Um and so I I do appreciate that about his training, uh, is there is like this second crucial piece of practice. So yeah, I can't plug it enough. So That's awesome. Yeah, and it's exciting to think like
0: how many more people can go along that a similar journey of learning how to engage in their own communities. Um so Yeah. And if you're listening to this episode and that sounds like something that, um, you'd want to engage with, or even if you're just, you care about this and you want to help it, um, help make it happen. Definitely. Um, you know, consider making a gift to contribute to that project because it's, um, yeah, it's already having an impact Mm -hmm. (laughs) on people like us and like you, Allie, you're, um, unbeknownst to you as a guinea pig but still that (laughs) the impact that it's had um that we can actually have an even greater impact um in the future so definitely check it out and uh if you feel like giving to that project please please do please do that If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. And for more info about Peace Catalyst and to help support our peacebuilding work, please visit our website at peacecatalyst.org.